Welcome to another episode of Open Tech Cast. This evening we've actually got a special roundup. It's me and Atabeg, and we've actually got two guests on the show. So, uh, do you guys want to introduce yourselves to let everyone know who you are? Sure. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, my name is Mike Letchin. I am the uh, director of technical advocacy and one of our field CTOs for Cohesity. Uh, so, I am unlike most of the group, not based. Uh, on that side of the pond, I'm based actually in Washington, D.C., uh, and have been around this block for a little longer than I care to admit. So that's me. All right. Well, I guess it's uh, it's me next. I'm Patrick Redknapp, and uh, I'm based in the U.K., and uh, I'm a consultant, and I'm also um, uh, attached to Mike's team at Cohesity as well. I consult in there, and uh, yeah, pretty much that's it, and most of you are will probably have seen me around haunting the blogger lounge or various showroom floors at uh, conferences in the past. Awesome. Great to have you on, guys. So, uh, Asa, what, what have you been up to? Well, uh, this week I've been um, off mainly, funnily enough. I mean, I always keep talking about being busy at work all the time, but this week has been my birthday week. I was, had my birthday yesterday, uh, hitting a big milestone, a big Five zero. Oh, so you find it from twenty one? They let you drink. Yeah, say twenty one. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. It's fifty. Unfortunately, changing from ancient to prehistoric. Twenty um, ninth anniversary of your twenty first birthday, isn't it? Uh, that is correct. That's a, a nice way of putting it. You're too kind, Patrick. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's basically just that. Um, just reading books, trying to catch up with things, friends, people. You know, you, you I'm too. most impressed you took an entire week off for your birthday. <laughs> I don't know if I take an entire day off for my birthday and you took an entire week. That's impressive. Well, to be honest, I mean, I, I rarely ever, ever do that. But this this time it actually felt like that because sort of stars aligned a little bit um, because I, was, I wasn't taking any leave due to work. I said, OK, why not? If I'm going to take a week off, shouldn't it be my own birthday? which is how it worked out in the end. So I have to ask, if you took a week off in this time, what, what did you do for a week? Stay at home. Stay at home, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. But, you know, it's giving me the chance to read the books that I wanted to read and, you know, just having a bit of chat with family. Well, I have chats with my family all the time anyway. But, but you know, just in a relaxed fashion, not a care in the world, wake up when I want. Basically, that's the kind of thing. And trying to, you know, just get back into some of the habits that um, in typical day life, you, you basically tend to forget, like exercise and all those kind of things. So trying to put things right in this week, hopefully it'll, it'll remain that way for for, for, the, for at least the near future, if not longer than that. So that, that's, that's what I've been doing. Uh, what about you, Gareth, actually? You haven't actually said what you've been doing. Oh, no, I haven't. Um Again, it, 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 most of our listeners are based in the UK. I know we've got some further afield. Um, you know, we've got this lovely tier system in the UK. Um, so that has made my week incredibly busy, getting offices up and running. And, um, you know, my founder has had book launches. He's been playing with uh, something called Sky Diamonds, where we're mining st- diamonds from carbon dioxide in the air. 
to then getting the football club back online. So um, I have had a busy few weeks, to say the least. Um, but yeah, it's all interesting stuff. You know, again, I can now talk about it with mining diamonds. That is just something that you fit. It's kind of form out of science fiction in ways. It's like, how do you get diamonds from the sky? And how does so that you, whole kind of chemistry work? <laughs> you're taking carbon out of the carbon dioxide and then you're exerting great pressure on it, I would imagine. That's the way you would make a diamond. From the yeah, that, that's a pretty much the easiest way of explaining it. Um, there's so all our, stuff, all our diamonds will be worth nothing then, if that happens well, eventually. I don't know. This this was the interesting chat I had with uh, with some of the people there. I said, so... Uh, you know, the best thing about a diamond, it's natural and it does have imperfections, but if these are completely pure, which is better? Not to get into a whole kind of weird, you know, tranche on that, but it was just an interesting topic that came up at work for once. <clears throat> but yeah, other than that, it's, um, I think, uh, I think we're all, all glad to see one positive thing out of COVID, especially over here in this side is, uh, we've, uh, seen the string of the vaccines starting to come over and, uh, we're hoping that, Ooh, that's my fingers crossed. Is we're going to start seeing uh, conferences open up in the coming months. I, I'd imagine for they'll probably be looking for mid next year before that happens. Um, mm. I, I think you know you've got to give people some lead time to actually plan these or do some rollouts or actually do some risk assessments because you've got to do think about how many people are going to get this. They're talking New Year anyway. Yeah. Um, for normal everyday, well, not even normal everyday people. They're talking New Year for just. Uh, people who are vulnerable um, or medium vulnerable, like if you've got asthma or if you have like a, a you know a compromised immune system, if you can actually have it at all. There's actually a website for DC that I can, in part of the DC like coronavirus website that I can go to, and you put in kind of your basic, your age, your your health status, have you are you a emergency worker, what your sex is, and it shows you where you're in the line to get the vaccine. And oh, wow. then there's like this list of people that looks like a snake. <laughs> um, there were two people behind me in line when I did it. After I scrolled about three pages up to get to me. How many, <laughs> how many are in front of I'm you? I'm not yes. getting that, that vaccine anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, um, part of you, part of you actually thinks that you should be getting it, you know, as soon as possible, because then you can get on with daily life with all the precautions intact as well, of course. But part of you that thinks, is it too soon to, take, to get that in, uh, vaccine, you know? Is it like, that much tested already or not? It's just like, you know, getting a piece of software when just has been beta tested, uh, but not field tested as much. Not, Do not I really to go want too... the release candidate of the vaccine. I, I don't know if I'm <laughs> yeah. looking for the RC versus like let's just, let this thing get GA and maybe even get to the version like one point one. Well, we're all technologists here. So, you know, big game come out this week. Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. That's oh, with Keanu. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, again, uh, some people are saying he's got bugs all over the place, and uh, you know that, that's how I try to explain the vaccine to some some of my gamer friends. I was like, yep, it's like that. They've released it, and they're just hoping it goes right in the wild. Well, the, the thing is as well, if you look at it, and they obviously are, you can tell I've obviously read a lot about this. They've got two major contenders, which is obviously the um, AstraZeneca, uh, Oxford University one, and you've got the Pfizer Biomed one. But the Biomed one is an mRNA virus, uh, vaccine, which is new. And they've not got that much. To, I think it's the first one ever to be approved. So I'm looking at it going, well, I'm sure it works if it's been through all the tests, but maybe I'll wait till the second or third batch just in case. Just to be on the safe side. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, that, that kind of can lead me on to like kind of uh, we do our usual news segment as well. We've done a little bit. Is that it, that's the biggest thing for, for COVID this year, especially as a parent looking at Christmas and things like that? Is you know, even just trying to get some of my projects done, it's had a major, major impact on tech shortages. Um, any of anyone out there trying to get hold of the latest console, you know, it's just near impossible to even the latest graphics card. Um, I've seen 3090 graphics cards go for horrendous amounts of money. Uh, you know, we're talking four digits plus. They're already expensive as it is, but we're talking a nearly 100% premium on some of them. It's uh, it's craziness. But I think you had quite a good anecdote about some, and one reason for the supply shortage is we're warming up, Patrick. Didn't you say that uh, someone had lost some somehow? Uh, so I, I read an article that said that uh, about uh, $300,000 worth, worth of RTX 3090s had quote-unquote fallen off a truck in um, in China. So, you know, obviously someone had um, just disappeared them or who, who knows. But um, So those are probably already making their way onto the market. But there's a huge shortage of them anyway because mm. some are, I think there's some which are still in pre-order at the moment. Um, yeah. And that's like over a month ago. They're still they were in pre-order. So that the fact that they put that them on pre-order means that they're all, all the all the ones that are coming out now are spoken for, which is why we've got a shortage. Yeah, I mean, I can say that what whichever ones, well, the thirty nineties are dropped off is probably not going to dim my chances of getting mine because I ordered the thirty eighty the day it came out. Uh, it was an MSI one, not not the founders edition, and obviously I'm still waiting for it. And apparently until last week, the, the company actually told me that I'm still on uh, queue number, position number 146. So wow. there are so many people still ahead of me, but they are going mm. through it. So hopefully the, the supply will increase uh, soon. But it's, you know, this, this release, I can't actually imagine that the supply chain manager uh, for NVIDIA, I mean, how could they now foresee this um i i can't see how they could actually even miss the demand or the possible demand of such a card or, or, or a new family of graphics processors they should have seen this you gotta think that they're gonna look at it and go okay our demand for previous releases was x now we have a shorter or a longer supply chain and more people staying at home our demand's gonna go up our supply goes down like it, this is basic economics Mm. on it i mean i think the thing is it's not just in tech though i mean we saw it i mean patrick knows i was doing some construction work over the last few weekends and we go to the hardware store to buy lumber and i had to go to three hardware stores just to find a a two by six by 12 because nobody had them they had them labeled on the shelf they were all empty like you just couldn't get them they weren't coming in i mean we've looked at we've had some issues even in our data center, we had some switches that we were ordering in. Cisco, we ordered switches in October. They might get delivered the end of December. Oh, wow. For Cisco, it's, and I'm not looking for like a core infrastructure, like central switch. This is a like one U topper rack switch that I'm looking for. Nothing major. This is a pretty standard switch form. So I don't know how NVIDIA didn't think this one through. <clears throat> Uh, when you even just seeing all the other spaces, it doesn't work. It just the economics don't work. That's right. 
Yeah, yeah right. some, someone dropped the ball on that, definitely. But, uh, you know, I think it might be just a combination of the, of the holiday season, along with, obviously, they've released Cyberpunk, at, um, which has an insane um, tech spec layout. I mean, you can run it on low or medium on, like, the, the you know, like the 1080s and stuff like that. Uh, so, you know, the demand's quite high to mm. get those anyway, I think. Um, I mean, Arthur, you know, what do you need the, the new, new RTX card for? compared to the one you've got already? <laughs> uh, basically, I was, first of all, like everyone else, some games that I want to play. So Flight Simulator is one of those. Uh, currently, oh, I'm getting a very, very good frame rate on that. And I want all the detail. So so that's one of the reasons why I thought I should go for this. You know, I should treat myself to a new card. But also, you know, trying to play with whenever when the card comes, start playing with uh, more more with uh, machine learning type um, projects. Uh, so that, that's what I'm going to use it for. Um, the, the only thing, and plus, you know, I, I run the COVID, um, re- well, basically folding at home as well. Um, yeah, so yeah. I should get a bit of a boost with that as well. So multiple things I'm looking forward to do when it comes through, finally, <laughs> at some point. Awesome. So, well, it, sorry, go yeah, ahead. again, just another big kind of a shocker for me this week while just scrolling through... Uh, the kind of social medias. I'm going to pronounce his name completely wrong, but uh, Rajiv Ramaswamy yeah, has uh, left VMware and actually gone to Nutanix. Um, so that was a bit of a curveball, I think, in the industry. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what what he goes and does there. Really, have you guys got any thoughts on that? I mean, my take is: is it really a surprise that you're seeing people shift from VMware to any other player? In all reality, my guess is. Nutanix handed back the dump truck of money up and said, come over here because we need some names and we need people. And we've seen companies do it before, especially when, I mean, you look at Nutanix's numbers and they're not stellar. Like they skyrocketed and leveled off, if not even gone down on some of their numbers. They're looking for something to make a shift um, and maybe find a different, find another avenue some way to expand their total addressable market. Uh, and maybe it's just that they want to get some fresh blood in to do that. So I'm not really surprised. My guess is they dumped a back to dump truck up. And, so. <laughs> yeah. How much, well, it, how, how much would you like this to tilt before you decide you're going to walk away? Um, <laughs> so the, the only thing I read about this was that he was, um, you know, he was uh, quite uh, one of the key players that was responsible for driving growth in um, VMware's transition to SaaS and subscription. So maybe there's some wiggle room there, possibly. It's going to be yeah. very much watch your space. Yeah. Especially, you know, a lot, again, I speak to a lot of people who do run Nutanix and they do run VMware on Nutanix. They use it for the hardware and the HCI. They don't use the hypervisor. Okay. So, you know, it, it's it's going to be an interesting thing to see where, where that pans out. Um, but I think that kind of leads us, segues this quite nicely into like our main topic for today is uh, is I've kind of pinned this as a bit of, you know, data protection for the modern platforms. You know, how have you guys seen the impact of these HCI stacks and now cloud uh, affect your guys' stuff, especially compared to what we're used to, the old-fashioned three-tier stuff? It, do you, have you seen a lot of people rushing to that with, with the COVID world? I mean, I think simplicity is key. 
for a lot of people with, with in this COVID world because realistically, you're not going in. You can't manage gear and data centers. I think we have all had the unpleasant experience of having to use remote hands in data centers when stuff starts failing. Um, the mm-hmm. less components I have in the data center, the better from the physical standpoint because I, I know that there's challenges there. Um, there always always has been, and I mean data centers. Let's be honest, data centers are not paying the uh, the best and brightest to work at two in the morning when you have a failure that are working in and moving cables and moving hard drives in your servers. They're, you're not getting the greatest systems engineers of all time taking those roles. Oh, oh, some of us still have to move tapes. Even at, even at my level, I'm still having to occasionally go move tapes. I'm like, really, why am I doing this? I mean, sometimes <laughs> you do, gone. but that's not your only job. No, that's true. Yeah. Um, so I, I think we see a ton on simplicity. I do think we see more and more move uh, away from even managing the data center. Um, whether it's going to simplify it down to a hyper-converged style stack, um, whether it's figure out how to do more with the hardware I have, or whether it's get completely out of the data center and let me run stuff in the public cloud. Mm. Uh, for for Cohesity, we've seen it kind of, we followed that journey almost. I mean, I, I know a lot of people that have followed Cohesity since early on, um, there was, we had a, a tagline of hyper-converged secondary storage, which, which we've well moved away from many, now m- m- multiple years ago now. Um, but in all reality, the premise of having everything on that single platform is what draws a lot of people to it. You, you look at a traditional data protection stack. I got software from one company. I got uh, a media or master servers that I'm having to manage from HP or from Dell or Cisco or whoever from a hardware standpoint. Uh, then I got another storage stack behind that for my protection. And then to keep up with the Joneses, I've got another group that apparently is very important um, that uh, is going to the cloud. It's another solution. And having four or five different vendors, disparate vendors, is not what people want to deal with. Uh, now they're finding ways to be able to consolidate, get that down to a single platform, get it so you can not only back up uh, locally, do your protection local, but then also get more use out of the hardware. Um, we see a lot of people looking at the their data protection is not just that, but truly data management. Um, being able to do things like check for compliance, check for vulnerability, um, make sure that When you do have an issue, you're not reintroducing vulnerabilities back in your environment. Um, Have an extra level of protection from ransomware. I mean, cybercrime has gone through the roof during COVID. Um, The numbers are absurd on on ransomware attacks, especially on some of the critical systems. I mean, healthcare ransomware attacks, last I saw, were were up by 50, 70% um, year over year. So Mm -hmm. when you look at that, that's are huge numbers that people need to find ways to protect against and more and more levels. Well, that so basically, uh, I, I think, nicely puts us into position for HCI and you talk, talk cloud and simplicity. So why don't we talk about data management as a service that you, Coacity uh, and AWS, are doing jointly together? Um, for our listeners, if you talk about uh, what it does, what it's for and what the features are, that'll be great. Yeah, no, I, and that was actually really the next generation and the next style that Koisi looked at was what's the next thing we could do to keep data management front and center? 
Uh, and after having multiple different cloud solutions, whether it was for archival, whether it was for running as a cloud addition out in the public cloud, I mean, we've always been able to run a cloud version, just like you can run a virtual version um, or physical in, in your data center. You could run it on Azure, you could run on GCP, you could run it on AWS. Uh, well, after working with AWS over the last multiple years now, uh, we actually did develop what we've released as our data management as a service. Now, data management as a service is really the ability to simplify what the end user is doing on their data center. Uh, we deploy a very small connector VM uh, to be able to connect through for data protect so that you're getting local connection to it. But then there's no none of the data needs to be stored in your data center. It can be, if need be, for compliance and things like that. Um, but it will just run in AWS's data center uh, as a service with the initial offering being for data protect. Now, obviously with Cohesi's core platform, we've got a lot of other pieces, everything from smart files um, to some disaster recovery solutions. But the initial release is around the data protection, uh, mm -hmm. being able to take your VMware environment and just have a single UI utilizing our Helios platform. Uh, and Helios truly has become the platform that everything is running off of. So you simply connect to the UI, say whether you're connecting to a cloud instance, maybe you have local, maybe you've got branch branch offices, but just point that at our DMAS solution. Um, we then manage the back end of it. We manage the, the data flow. We manage the protection and it's charged completely on an OpEx model. Still looking, we still have things like the deduplication. We've still got the protection, all the feature set but without having to add an extra load on top of it. Um, and all of that right in conjunction with AWS. I mean, they're selling it directly. You can buy it through their marketplace. Um, you can do it through any of their resellers. Obviously you can go do it through our resellers as well. Um, the great thing is uh, it's so simple that you click it, try and protect it. Like that's, it's that easy. I mean, it's, there's a, an easy trial off of the, the website now for you to go, you click it, sign up, um, once you're signed up, you configure it and you're protecting it. It, it, this isn't, it's not a long term. We, we actually had a lot of our initial, uh, release kind of customers. Uh, we had a standard process you go through. You don't want you don't want to bring too many people on at one time. You, you, you slow roll, bring it on when you release a new product. Um, and we, had, we, normally you have a prescriptive method. You go on, you've got your, your lead engineering people are walking through those customers, making sure they're not having issues onboarding. Uh, and we had quite a few of our release kind of customers onboard themselves and then be like, when they get the phone call, hey, let's schedule. So like, schedule what? We're done. It's running. We're good. Let's just, what, what do you want us to tell you? Um, which is great. That's what you want out of an as-a-service offering um, and the ability to, to go on to a website and just click it and move and go and have yeah. that protection. So I do think that's going to be the next great step in data management. And obviously, we'll release more pieces along with it. Data protecting first, we'll, we'll, down the road, we'll look at a disaster recovery as a service solution to be able to go from your local, script it out, automate it out right to the public cloud as well. Mm. Yeah, I think I think the future plans, one of the things I liked about that as well, that, um, you know, the advanced services and add-ons that are going to come as well, you know, because all the data goes into S3 and then you can use it as a data lake and then have those, you know, the, the things that you're talking about earlier that, having the visibility all of that, then you can you run all kinds of analyses on them. And um, so, you know, for 
anti-ransomware and global sort of legal um, legal artifacts. Um, E-discovery, yeah, you've got yeah. masking, you've got, there's a, there's so many options to do it for compliance things, whether it's searching, it's um, the, the data masking. I think we, we have an internal one, but being able to use some of AWS's tools around that, if you're developing against it, especially for next generation workloads, um, when you're backing up to it and you can back up other cloud solutions to it too. Like, so things like uh, your M365, um, if you're doing that, it, it just because it's running in AWS doesn't mean we can't back up other workloads to it. You don't have to. I think that that was one of the things we had to kind of battle on the release. Um, mm. This is not, you can only back up AWS solutions by using the AWS. It just happened to be AWS was our partner that we went yeah. to, to market with on this solution. Yeah. I know it's a bit too soon uh, because I think, I believe it was in October when um, the service was made available uh, to everyone. Uh, so it's probably too soon, but these add-ons, when when do you see them coming on the road roadmap? You know, or or are they already there? I mean, some of it you can already utilize yourself in all reality. If if you're on there and we're pushing back to the these S three buckets, in all reality, there's no reason a end user couldn't point their AWS tools at that S three bucket to be able to do some of those extra features. Um, the integration into the UI um, to do some of that. Uh, it's still a work in progress. And I don't really, I can't really say a date on when we'll have that stuff integrated in. There are some plans that some of those feature sets um, will be integrated in uh, to make it really smooth for that end user looking at the platform uh, to do that. But for now, there's no re- real, it's, it's an S3 bucket that if you have access to your data in S3, you point at an object store and have at it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that, that shouldn't be too difficult really. Um, but, you know, having all that built into the GUI, with the Quasity GUI simplicity, <laughs> I yeah, guess. not not yet, not uh, yet. That'd be, that'd be even better, I guess. And and one other thing uh, that I was thinking that I think on release, as far as if I remember correctly, um, it was in US East and US West, uh, I think. Um, Correct. Is it already expanding into other regions, or is is that coming soon? So it'll be coming soon. We actually so we did the release in October. It just went GA, full GA within. At reInvent, um, okay. so uh, Mohit Aran, our, our CEO and founder, was actually on the keynote, uh, one of the keynotes, the partner keynote for reInvent, and that was kind of our our launch of okay, we're going GA with this. Um, so it just happened within the last now couple weeks. Um, the expansion outside of US East and US West is strictly a commercial. There's not a technology limitation to it. Um, it's realistically the US is still the, the largest technology market for, for people using it. Um, so hit the ones in the U.S. Uh, and then we'll be able to expand out to, especially for, for regionals, for compliance needs, um, for sovereign data sovereignty, where it has to stay within uh, things like for Germany, for Canada, for, for obviously uh, some of the ones in Asia PAC. Um, we'll expand out to some of the other uh, data centers. But it's realistically, it's a commercial as the demand is there. Uh, we'll move over to it. Some of it is a chicken and egg, though. We realize that. Um, but at the same time, like I said, a, it is a new release. So while it's our same core code that we've been, we've had for eight years now almost, um, it's you still want to make sure that you slow roll it a little bit when you're working with somebody else's technology coming in. I think yeah. all of us have been down that road. I mean, it, it's... Kind of that, that kind of like we talked about with the uh, the vaccine. I you don't you kind of let's slow roll, see everything's there, 
Um, and then I think once we open up the floodgates, the other regions will start seeing more and more. That'll be definitely good to see. Well, I think I think definitely because the you know and and from a user perspective as well, you you know it's 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 all working in the background anyway. You've got your Helios front end, and you know you can have anything behind that. You know you can have your regardless if you if you're cloud only, if you're on prem or both or, or both as you were discussing. You get definitely people are adopting more that kind of hybrid. Uh, hybrid scenario there that you know you're, you're definitely gonna it's gonna help move towards that particularly in in the times we are, are in now so mm. yeah i think that um it's it's definitely gonna pick up more but mike's right you know slow roll it first and um, then give it to everyone later yeah well i've got two things on that is it again one's a technology question one's more of a business question is, is for, for me i've got some crazy retentions as you said is is do you guys see this going eventually from s3 to like glacier storage because some of my data i have to keep for i mean not just five years ten years keep going um and again that whole mental shift to going from capex to opex do you see more customers doing this because for someone like me that's sometimes an easier option to get it through the relevant channels well actually i just click this button and i start buying on a credit card rather than having to go ahead and go well why are you buying appliance x and capitalizing that over five years you, know, you, you seeing that kind of shift dynamic as well so we start to see that thing is for those like deep archives that long term we already have a lot of people that utilize our cloud archive integration then mm -hmm. even from on-prem that pushes it to glacier mm -hmm. or, or your choice of archival on the clouds um in all reality whether that's easier via a dmas solution could be we haven't seen that yet but it's also, I mean, would, would it surprise me? No, not in the least. Um, but having it right now with the on-prem gives a lot of people that option already to go there. Because a lot of the ones that are looking at having to have long-term retention are not necessarily always the use case. They're going to put everything up into DMAS. They may still have some local quick re response they need. I mean, I know we, especially when we talk to healthcare, we talk to legal, um, have a subset that they need to get to pretty quickly. Um I know I spend a lot of time talking to people about the difference uh, between what backup and what archive is uh, and the, the differentiation between the two. Uh, my normal analysis on that is I tell people that you back up your data, but you archive your memories mm. um, and data I need to get to frequently. My archive, that seven year, 20 year, 25 year, uh, when am I pulling that back? Um, I, it doesn't matter to me as much. It's kind of, I take a picture of my iPhone. If I took the picture yesterday, I want to be able to get to it quickly. Mm. If I took that picture three years ago, by the time I find it in my phone, it's okay. I have the time for it to pull yeah. it back. It's uh, there if I, you need it, but it's it, not. It doesn't you know, bother you don't me. Need it takes it. an extra millisecond or an extra second to get it uh, if it's gone off into iCloud or whatever. Um, that doesn't bother me. I think that same applies for a lot of that deep archive that we start seeing for people. So whether we see it, uh, as time goes on on the DMAS or not, right now I think we still see it a lot more on the on-prem. And then you're still clicking it to pay the OPEX for Glacier when you're doing a cloud archive. So you're saying, hey, I've got this. I'm using it on an operational expense for Glacier out here, and I'm doing it that way. Um, it's just whether the management side of it is being done by us or, or done on-prem. That, that's right. I mean, because, I mean, like we were saying earlier, ultimately if the data is going into an S3 bucket and it's a, your typical S3 bucket, and maybe we can just, in the meantime, like every other Tulu that we were talking about earlier, to just point out S3 as a data lake, 
Uh, we could just set the lifecycle policies as well, i.e. using AWS native tools and mechanisms. Yeah, it would be nice at some point if the interface supports those lifecycle man management policies uh, from within the interface. Um, but then I guess in the meantime, the workaround can be to use the AWS native mechanisms, I guess. That's a beautiful thing about being sitting in native S3 buckets. Yes. So, so I guess in the meantime, it'll, that that'll be the the management. I think I'll I'll be more interested in the meantime to have this um, rolled out in other regions as well, because I do know that other regions do also have the same crazy requirements. Maybe we need to toot the horn a bit more <laughs> to say that hey, this service is available. Why not take advantage of it? Mm. I, I will tell you that our European and our Asia Pac sales teams are tooting that horn pretty hard uh, for, <laughs> for us right now. So uh, it's like it's just a matter. It's a commercial matter. It, it, it will get there, and I, I don't don't anticipate it will be a, a long journey to get there for sure. Yeah. So, what else was on your mind, Gareth, for today? That kind of. Uh pretty much wraps it up but again just an anecdote on that i was just so scared that you were going to bring up the common thing where people go oh well snapshots are backups aren't they and then i was just going to put my head on my desk cry uh -huh. for the next 10 minutes when yeah trying to talk some people out of that is just a nightmare between snapshots or my backup and no i can archive everything using my standard backups uh and oh yeah this is a business continuity plan those three things mm -hmm. We've we've been raising this this week. What's the difference between you know DR and business continuity? And it's an entire conversation which we need to keep having again and again and again because people confuse it all the time. Mm. Honestly, it doesn't bug me as much as when someone uses the word "should." That should work. Has it ever? Yeah. Let's be real. If it should work, it probably doesn't. I mean, I can't certainly say that about myself. You should work. <laughs> yeah, you're on holiday, though, do, aren't you? So it's fine. Whatever I do should work. <laughs> Hardly ever. It's like, so, um, yeah. like that, that cologne, isn't it? 60% of the time it works every time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's 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 it basically is the famous last words, isn't it? You know, this should work. For everyone in, in tech like us, um, we've, we've basically seen that, you know, Whenever you we don't want to hear that. Products, we are jinxing ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. Awesome. Well, <clears throat> pleasure having you guys on today. Uh, really enjoyed it. Um, again, have you got any closing thoughts before we finish this show off? I mean, for me, first off, thank you guys. It was it was awesome being on. Great chatting with you. Uh, definitely enjoyed the conversation. Um, when we're talking about the DMAS, seriously, go out, check out the trial. Like it's, it's sign up. It's, there's a free trial. So if you're trying to figure out what it can do, what it, what it can't do hit up on there. If you got questions, um, Patrick and I are pretty much available across social media along with hitting up the cohesive handle, but you can definitely hit one of us up as well. We'll be yeah. happy to put you in the right direction. Um, but for, for you guys, thank you. I appreciate it. And uh, hopefully you find some NVIDIA stuff soon. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah go and go and get one of those um, off the back of the truck cards. But yeah, the, thanks for having us on. It's been a, a, a great chat. Like Mike said, you can get uh, me at, at Patrick Redknapp and uh, Mike, you're at M. Lechen, aren't you? Is that right? I am. Yeah, I think. Yeah, there we go. I got it right. I'm good. Yeah, it's uh, for me. I mean, it's, speaking of my card, um, 
uh, I hope that I get it soon uh, because my, my, my patience is waning now. Um, <laughs> but um, uh, I'll be looking forward to that. As part of my... Sorry, is your flight simulator blurry right now? Is that the problem? Or it's, it's not crisp <laughs> enough for you that yeah, you can't see the people right when you're playing flight sim? <laughs> yeah, it's not enough frame rate. It's basically oh, okay. very high detail. It starts struggling, to say the least. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to the card. Um, but, yeah, it's, um, I mean, uh, the, the one thing I would say is that um, the past week, just reflecting on the, how the life has been so far and what's next, I think I think one of the things that um, I keep saying during the pandemic is that, you know, it's it's actually it's been tough on many people, um, pretty much everyone I think, in some way. Um, but I think it's also given us the opportunity to think that you know what we should be doing in our lives better or change. And I think that's that's one of the things that I just wanted to say that you know everyone, every once in a while should probably not wait for 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 a week or for for a birthday to think about those things. Just, you know, just take some time out and think about what we are doing in life and with our friends and families, because they are the most important things ever. It's a very positive note to end on. Yeah, absolutely positive note to end on. <clears throat> so, yeah, uh, if uh, you fancy coming on the show, do drop us a note, podcast at opentechcast.com. You can find us on Twitter, of course, at opentechcast. Uh, you know, do feel free to reach out. Come join us. I'm sure these guys will uh, attest to having a good time today. And, uh, you know, don't forget to drop us a review on Stitcher or iTunes. And stay with us and keep listening to us. And I think it's, is it Stay Data Protecty? Sure. Don't we'll that phrase. <laughs> stay Data Protecty. Thanks for listening to the Open Tech Cast. The open tech cast. See you next time.